everybody. Welcome to another Prog Report podcast interview. This is Roy Avon. Lonely Robot is back with the fourth album titled Feelings Are Good. It comes out on July 17th. Of course, the band is basically John Mitchell, who you also know from It Bites, Kino, Frost, and a number of other projects. I'm really pleased to welcome John Mitchell. Hey, mate. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. How's it going over there? It's all right, man. Yeah, I was, I was, um, we kind of, it's, it was grossly mismanaged. I know you probably heard about this. Yeah. And I think it, in, in hindsight, the whole thing got put into lockdown a bit too late. And then we had a, a guy, an official, a, a government official who went wandering after days after we were told that we weren't allowed to leave the house. And that yeah, kind of, I read about that. That was wild. And that kind of threw everybody into a bit of disarray. And now we're being told we can go to a pub as of next Friday, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny enough. Um, uh, the, the the postman um, delivered through my front door a uh, accidentally to the wrong address a pack of 100 face masks. Nice. So perhaps that's karma trying to tell me something. <laughs> that's a major score. <laughs> yeah, it is. Considering at one point you had to pay like three quid for a single face. Mask. <laughs> that's so, right. That's funny. That's crazy. Well, anyway, be safe, man. It's, it's good. At least, you know what? It allows some time for musicians, I guess, if they you can't tour, to, to write some music, record some things, do these interviews. You know, you make the best yeah, of it. No music whatsoever. That's oh, really? Fun. That's funny. But, you know, but you got, at the same time, you know, I have spent the last five years making a lot of music. So I thought maybe I'm going to lie in my hammock now and just listen to... Uh, Listen to music and hey, read books. Hey, that's a good plan too. Hey, by the way, I wanted to thank you again for the video for the concert, the the Prague from Home. I didn't really know what anybody else was going to do, and I, you know, I just um, I'm a bit allergic to you know. There's a thing, isn't there's been this thing that ever since this lockdown and this pandemic took a foothold, that everybody who's a musician is doing little gigs from home. You know, yeah. you know, and it's always got that look of you know, um, whatever, whatever's going on in their kitchen and their, their calendar in the background and, and, you know, strumming an acoustic guitar. And it's a bit like, you know, when I got into music, I wanted escapism. (laughs) I wanted Bono on the top of, on the top of a cliff with the wind blowing in his hair. You know, I wanted, uh, you know, the whole idea of the visual aspect of music, I always wanted it to be a bit sort of otherworldly. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, and no, that came across. I mean, around with balloons and drones and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, listen, it was it was pulled together real quick, and everybody did everybody did great. Even you know, some were more simple than than others, video wise, whatever. But it was just the fact that everybody just turned in these great performances in like a week's time or so. Some of them, it was it was you know, it was just we were yeah. blown away by what people did. And it got a lot of uh, it got a lot of views as well. It did. Know? It's done really well. So. Uh, no, we're happy about that. But I mean, we're we, going to. Go ahead. How many people in the world like progressive rock? And it's about 5,000 people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, uh, well, were you guys going to be on cr- Cruise to the Edge this year? I don't, I, I don't remember if it, if you we were going to no, be on or not this year. But no. uh, one of the things when we're, this was. We're, on... the naughty, we're the naughty boys. We, you know, we, we don't get invited every year. <laughs> when. Uh, well, when the, there was the debate on whether or not to cancel, and they were and they were talking about how it affects you know a certain age group and stuff like that, there was, there was a lot of jokes with people in the you know in the prog community we were talking about. It's like we well, could wipe out progressive rock on that sh- on that ship if you we go. Certainly could. You certainly could. So, yeah. yeah. So we, <laughs> if, we you were, if, you were, if you were genocidal in your inclination, that would be the way. 
do it you know you know wipe out a whole genre but uh anyway um look i gotta tell you uh we got the new record feelings are good uh july 17th i love the album man i'm not just saying that it's it's been on repeat for me for a, a few weeks now since i had a chance to listen to it i it's my favorite of the lonely robot records i hope that's okay to say um, yeah sure and uh, uh i just think it's uh it's really, really well done, man. I gotta, I give props for that. I think it's a fantastic record, and I, and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, a bit different to the other three, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I, I think the original intention was that it was, I, I, well, it wasn't my intention. I, I kind of had it in my mind that when I finished those, what well, I suppose people call the astronaut trilogy. I mean, it sounds so proggy, doesn't it, calling it the astronaut trilogy? Right on, yeah. I mean, I didn't invent that, by the way. I mean, I, I wouldn't come up with anything so pretentious, but the astronaut trilogy, when and that, <laughs> I can say because I didn't invent it. Uh, when that came to an end, I thought, right, that's the end of that. I'm going to just release music, and I'm going to come up with a different name and just do some completely different music. And I had a chat with the powers that be, and, and it was kind of decided, I suppose, mutually between us. Um, well, I, I agreed, because I don't like to rock the boat. That You know, we'd spent three years, um, you know, creating a, a sorry to use a blatantly marketing term right. a, brand, a, brand, a brand yeah a brand in as much as 26 people bought the album or whatever <laughs> um <clears throat> so i just decided to continue you know I mean, it's a strange thing for me because you know um in in my i think anybody that knows that i'm in in any of these various bands that i've been in over the years such as kino or arena um anybody that i suppose follows these bands with any degree of passion probably knows that my name is John Mitchell. And I always thought, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't it just make sense to release music under my own name? But, you know, I don't know. I'm not in charge of marketing and, and all that business. And I don't know how to sell albums any more than the next musician. So I kind of, you know, I, I sequestered to the uh, the greater good. And it's now, it's, it's called Lonely Robot. But some people are finding it hard to get their head around the fact that there isn't an astronaut on the cover. or It's got nothing to do with space or, you know, in, in as much as that. <laughs> right. You know, we did release a press release and, and uh, you know, there is, you know, visually speaking and uh, musically speaking, it's got absolutely zero to do with anything to do with NASA space, the European Space Agency or science fiction at large. So <laughs> that might confuse some people just yeah, putting it out. There I think that's, that's I think that's OK. But, you know, going back to the, the original Only Robot, um, when we I may have asked you this on the previous interview, but uh, uh, but when you started that concept, was there ever a thought to calling that John Mitchell and the albums Lonely Robot, like that kind of thing? Or was it always that was the concept? Well, I can remember the first meeting I had um, with with Thomas about it. And I think the whole reason, I mean, it became apparent that I'd, I'd become quite disingenuous towards music generally. And in 2012, when uh, we did an album with the Pandit Bites called Map of the Past and... Um, I, you know, I've been in bands all my life and I've kind of got sick of being in bands. All, I got, you know, because well, it's not really sick of being in bands, but, you know, in as much as that, it, it's like a um, everything has to be by committee or, you know, in, in, the, in the case with It Bites, it's always the case of the fact that I was joining what felt like somebody else's band and that they were already established. Right. And, you know, those guys have known each other for a long time and it didn't feel like it's like a power struggle, but obviously... Um, you know, I think um, at the time it was quite difficult for me to, to you know, to, to fit into that band because a lot of people remember it 
uh, as being a band with Francis Dunnery. And I think it divided people's opinions a bit. Um, so I kind of, after that, and we did this album, Map of the Past, and then we got this manager involved who absolutely, excuse me, shafted us. Hmm. And it went so, in my opinion, so badly wrong. I just decided I'd, I'd had enough of everything to do with everything, you know, and I didn't want to, I just kind of went back in the studio, produced bands for a few years, and I wasn't really interested in doing anything musically. I wasn't interested in, and, you know, I understand from, a you know, a, running a record label at the business point of view, you know, the wheels of commerce need to keep turning. And, and I think Thomas said, you know, are you going to do a another It Bites album? I'm like, nope, not doing that. And then he said, are you going to do a Kino album? And at the time I said, nope, not doing that. <laughs> And so he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm happy to do something on my own, but it's got to, you know, it's, or, you know, and he said, well, why don't you just do your own thing and get whoever you want on it? And I'm like, okay. So that's why, I have, that's how the whole Lonely Robot thing came about. And I, I can, I can honestly tell you, I don't know why um, it's, well, I can tell you why it's called Lonely Robot. There's a song by um, Sting's daughter. Uh, she had a, a she had a project called I Blame Coco. Her name's Coco Sumner. And it was called Self Machine. And, and the chorus lyric is uh, um, something about lonely robot rusting in a harbour in a lonely... Uh, lonely robot wasting in a... Um, lying in a wasteland rusting in a lonely harbour, I think is the lyric. And I just thought that sounded so cool. And oh. so I thought, right, I'm nicking the words lonely robot and I'm going to call my band lonely robot. And apparently there's some kid out in America somewhere with an acoustic guitar who also calls himself Lonely Robot. Um, so I put, a, I, I put a hit out on him. He won't be around. I was like, no, I'm kidding. I haven't really. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, yeah, we coexist peacefully. Um, so, yeah, beyond that, I didn't really have any idea about what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that it, I, I can't remember for the life of me why it's got anything to do with space, science fiction, astronauts or any of that. I have no idea. I don't even remember the thought process as to why it happens or why it became three albums that were kind of vaguely interlinked with different themes. I've got no idea. Uh, really <laughs> well, don't. like you said, it is very prog, so it's all fine. And uh, yeah, I, it, I guess certain aspects of it, you know, lend itself to the to, to the uh, to the facets of the prog community at large find appealing. Um, I, I I didn't certainly I didn't write it with anything in mind other than the fact that I've got to write an album. And, uh, you know, and I've been right. given a permission to do so. And there we go. And then, of course, uh, in 2017, he, uh, um, uh, Thomas Varber approached me again and said, what do you think? I can't do the accent. What do you think about doing a Kino album? And I kind of thought, well, I'm on a bit of a roll here. I'm writing a lot of uh, music. And he thought it was too soon to do another Lonely Robot album. Um, I, 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 you know, I'd make two albums a year for Lonely Robot, but you know, <laughs> right. I, I just enjoy writing music. And he said, well, you know, and he kind of, um, he uh, said, well, if you want to continue writing music and you want to, you know, if you want an album advance, you can do a Kino album. I thought, I've been tricked. <laughs> so that, did that Kino album, or, you know, that was a great album too, by the way. Uh, it was all right. You know, a lot of people, I mean, it, it, to be fair, it would have, it, I, you know, it, I, in hindsight, um, I'd, I'd do it differently if I did it again. You know, I, I kind of carried the bulk of the weight with that. And, you know, John Beck was kind of trying to find him and trying to get him to tie him down and get him to, to commit to it because he was busy with fish at the time. And Peter Travis was in America. So, you know, I, I managed to get input from both of them. But, you know, it wasn't as the, the collaborative effect or affair that I would have hoped it could have been. So then I kind of forgot about that and then did another Lonely Robot album. And here we are. It's 2020. <laughs> 
what is what is uh you know and i mean you've done like you said you've done a lot of music a lot of albums what is your if there is a favorite album song something that you you do really hold up as i'm really proud of that is there is there something in particular um well two things i'm really proud of the, the little film that we did the, the whole um, under stars album and the film the little visual accompaniments of that i'm very proud of that yeah. um i'm very proud of uh the album map of the past that we did the Bites album. And I think that's the reason I got so reluctant to do anything after that was because it all, um, as far as I was concerned, it didn't get the due care and attention um, once we'd finished it. And that, you know, that's through the fact that we, you know, there was a lot of arguing and, and you know, with this manager guy. And um, there was a lot of uh, sort of un un untangling what was a bit of a mess of the band at that point, you know. So I don't think it got the due care and attention that it could have done. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, I realize, you know, I have much higher expectations. I mean, all musicians have got like sure. delusional egos and they all think that they, you know, they should be top of the pops and the biggest thing in the world. But, you know, I, I do genuinely think that that map of the past down could have done a lot better than it did do had certain, you know, um, situations not sort of hindered it in a certain way. Anyway, but coming forward in time, you know, you know, I've enjoyed doing the Lonely Robot project, as it as it as it were, because you know you can only if you if you excuse my French, f it up, you've only got yourself to blame. Right. So, it's uh, it's important to me that um, you know. I, I mean, having said that, I love working with uh, you know I do like working with other people. I, I love working with Jem Godfrey. Um, and I, I find that, you know, that to be a great partnership between the two of us. And, you know, we, we get on very well as friends. And if we never wrote another music, uh, another note of music together, we'd still, you know, we'd still, you know, we've got a, a great deep connection between us. And I like working with Craig when we come to record the drums. You know, I don't like locking myself in a room like a complete magnomaniac and, and never getting <laughs> input from other people. But I just, I wouldn't want to be in a band, right. you know, it needs to be like like Frost, for example. You know, I'm involved in Frost, but it gems band. It's it's you know, at the end of the day, someone's got to be in charge, and that's one thing I have learned from any band. You can't have this sort of, you know, this this everything by committee. It just doesn't work. You know, it's got to be a, a you know a benign dictatorship somehow. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the way I see it. You know, and uh, I'd never want to be in a band again where I wasn't you know, at least if nothing else, uh, completely involved in every decision. And, you know, I think <clears throat> if you're the guy writing the songs for the band, you should you should have, a, a you know, a greater say as to what happens. And, you know, uh, uh, more than the, the guy that just turns up and maybe, you know, plays drums for, you know, uh, four days or something. You know, it's I know that's a, I'm not singling out anybody there, but you know what no, I mean? No, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like, uh, you know, Porcupine Tree, Stephen Wilson is sort of intimated oh, yeah. as much. Right. Like he was writing all the songs and just at some point was like tired of asking the other guys their opinion on it, I think. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you exactly, you know, if you're, you have to trust in the process and you have to trust that somebody in the band has to take, you know, and obviously that's why bands split up like Pink Floyd. You know, I think everybody got fed up, fed up with uh, Roger Waters uh, being this sort of the great dictator of Pink Floyd, or even though he denies it now. Um, but to my opinion, 
the Pink Floyd that I love the most is is the Pink Floyd where Roger Waters was was more in control of it, you know. And I, I've certainly got no time for. Sorry if I'm offending anybody. I've got no time for '80s Pink Floyd, you know, where lyrics are being written by committee. Because the thing that is, is that half of what I love about Pink Floyd is is Roger Waters' lyric writing. He's such yeah. a profound yeah. lyricist, and and without that, it's it it just it just sounds like a carbon copy of something good, you know. Sure, sure. I get it. Um, well, about lyric writing, actually, I want to test you about that for the record, uh, yeah. the new album, because it, it it does seem a bit more straightforward, you know, less about the concept, uh, as you were talking about. Um, it, was that a deliberate approach when you were when you were writing or or do lyrics just happen the way they happen for you? Sort of generally. Well, no, speaking? I mean, I've always maintained that the, the only way that I can write a song is if, if I have a title in mind as to what the song is going to be called. Because once you've got a title, and you, you, you know, you can, everything else seems to fall into place. Hmm. And it's it's like you know, I guess anybody like somebody who writes a book, they wouldn't start writing a book unless they knew what it was going to be about, and and that that is defined by, you know. Um, you, you, <laughs> Kind of like I don't know, yeah, Death on the Nile, and you, that, let's say that book started getting written. Well, they started writing about something, but what's it going to be called? Well, we don't know yet. It's, but somebody, you know, presumably, right? This book's going to be called Death on the Nile, right? We've got a clue that this book is going to be written about somebody dying on the Nile, right? There we go. The book's, <laughs> book's, the book's up and running. But let's say <laughs> Death on the Nile. It's just some guy writing a bunch of nonsense. So for me, um, obviously, music is a bit different because you know you could theoretically write the music first and then you know come up with some half-assed lyrics later on further down the line and come up with a title for it but for me that's just absolutely nonsensical if i give myself a title and i know that there's i don't know for example this you know um uh, let me think of the new album um so let's say for example the song crystalline i really like that word crystalline and yeah. And it kind of, you know, it kind of, it sounds, it even sounds wintry. So kind of everything about that song kind of musically started lending itself to, to um, you know, to sort of wintry feel about it. And then the lyrics, you know, and I kind of thought, you know, uh, you know, use the metaphor of, of, of you know, um, like, uh, uh, you know, a relationship gone bad and, um, and, and how it's like a house in winter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of, you know. For me, if 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 you you know the, the title informs everything, and if you don't have a title, you might as well just pack up and go home. And um, for me, from my point of view, anyway. No, that's interesting. Well, let me ask you a couple of songs that I that I like a lot that have stuck out for me. One is uh, uh, "Into the Lo-Fi." That's a very cool yeah. title too. And I that song particularly when that when the drums kick in on that, it immediately sounded like a different type of Lonely Robot album. From that song, I thought right away it was something a bit different. Yeah, I kind of, well, I, I, I wanted that song to be, you know, and there's also, a, um, there's a song, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I kind of wanted it wanted it to be, I kind of had a thing, I, I love new wave bands, you know, I quite, I quite like Men at Work and I quite like, um, you know, uh, The Cars, and I like those kind of kooky keyboard sounds, you know? Yeah. So for, I, I just made a decision that um, with, with, with a couple of songs on this album, I wanted to kind of be a bit retro with some of the sounds of the keyboards. I mean, I made a conscious decision with this album that I was going to, I basically flattened my computer. My, I, I deleted my hard drive and I basically installed everything from scratch and I didn't install any of the same instruments that I used on any of the previous Lonely Robot albums. So I just made a real conscious decision that this was going to sound different and it was oh. going to a bit less, 
shimmery and produced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and a bit less heavy metal, hopefully. And so, I mean, there's there's always going to be bits where it's heavy riffs and well, stuff. Well, you have like yeah. spiders and stuff. Does that? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's still the the previous sound. I feel like that song is a little bit. Um, yeah. Sure, but you can't you can't freak people out and do a reggae album, can right, you? Right, right, right. So, <laughs> uh, also, uh, "Autumn in My Heart" is just is just brilliant. The middle section where it goes into that guitar riff, the breakdown. That's oh, yeah. just one of the best parts on the record. Oh, thank you, man. Well, that's me in full, full 80s mode. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've been listening to Mr. Mister that day or something. It does um, sound like that. <laughs> it's funny. Well, it, yeah, it does. But, you know, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's like, you, you, you know, I you can argue that, you know, influences run deep, don't they? Like with, with, with the Lonely Robot albums, there's a lot of hints towards like film soundtracks. And this time I kind of just wanted to do a couple of sort of new wavy sort of 80s kind of things. I mean, I'm, I'm massively into the synth wave movement. You know, the band The Midnight are like my, one of my favorite bands right now. And I absolutely adore them to the point where I've seen them like three times live in England. And then they've only, they've only been to England twice. So I don't know. I've seen them three times. Uh, no, um, I kind of just, you know, I wanted this album to be, you know, a, had we called it John Mitchell feelings, I that might have made more sense. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I did say to uh, Thomas, I said, you know what, this is going to be very, in some ways, very different from from the other three albums. And some people might freak out and go, where's the astronaut? And see, some people have gone, well, that's a shit cover. Where's the astronaut? And I'm going, well, there you go. Then. I, did say, <laughs> I did warn you. Uh, but it's got nothing to do with, um, I, just, I just, I don't really care what it's called. You know, you could call it, I don't know, you could call it piece of the goat for all I care. I just yeah, want to I don't think it's going to matter at the end. I, you know, really, it's, it's, uh, if I, the music's great, you know what I mean? And I think at the end of the day, that's what, that's what sells the, the thing. You know what yeah. I mean? So, I have a way of writing music and I have a certain style. And yeah. at the end of the day, it, you know, I, I, I could do a reggae tune and, you know, it, some people might still like it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's it, 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 certainly on that Kino album, the second Kino album, you can very much tell which songs I've written, which songs Pete Travis wrote, because we both, you know, he loves the Beatles and, um, uh, you know, that's a, <laughs> and sort of 70s right. rock. So those kind of things, you know, those are the songs that are kind of, you know, you can tell that those were kind of more towards his kind of songwriting. At the end of the day, I've got my own style. And, and you know, so, yeah, you know, the, the Into the Lo-Fi was very much about the fact that uh, everybody becomes their dad, you know, uh, and the fact that, <laughs> It's it's um it is when you reach a certain age you kind of realise that things that made you the most happy were the things that happened to you when you were a kid a lot of the time you know like you know and you kind of it's very easy to look back and be sort of misty eyed about how everything was better then and you know I was joking with somebody the other day about the fact that you know I produce bands and it's got, I've got to an age now whereby if I list something contemporary as liking it you know I feel like I'm trying to be a cool old dad. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, if I, if I say that I like Dua Lipa, I just sound like an old loser that's trying to be hit. I know, you know? What you, I know what you mean a little bit because you feel a little, you feel a little funny to to say that you even listen to that because you're not, you're not supposed exactly. to listen to that stuff. I'm not. It's not aimed at me, is it? Right. But then if I say that I don't like it, I just sound like a bitter old dad, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody becomes their dad, you know. <laughs> I remember playing my uncle uh, um, the Invisible Touch album by Genesis, and uh, when that drum fill comes in right at the start, and he actually he made me turn it off. He said, "What the hell's that? Is that guerrilla warfare? <laughs> Where's Wagner or whatever the hell?" And so it just is a generational thing, but it's just a comment about the fact that. 
you know, I can't, the older you get, the less you can relate to stuff. And, and, and you know, it, what, what is somebody else's truth is not my truth. Some, you know, like the millennial generation, what is their truth is not my truth. And I find it unrelatable. And that's what, that's what that song's kind of about. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great thing to write about for sure. Uh, a, a little bit about uh, who plays on the album with you uh, this time. So you got uh, Craig uh, Blundell back on drums. Who else is on the record? Absolutely nobody. That's it? That's it. Me and him. Oh, okay. I yeah. Just, oh, well, that's great. I don't like people very much, so I tried to not work with No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, no, it's just me and him. I, I don't, you know... On the previous albums, I mean, the last album, uh, Steve Vances wanted to play some bass on it, and um, and I thought, yeah, why not? He's a he's he's a proper bass player. Well, you know, to be honest, bass was my first instrument, so you know, I wouldn't say that I'm not a proper bass player. But you know, he's in the live band, and he's a friend of mine, and I thought, oh, okay then. Well, and going yeah. back to the first Lonely Robo, you had a bunch of guests on it, right? I mean, uh, Nick Kershaw was one. You had a few people on that one, right? Yeah, if I remember. Come on, you know full well why they're on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, 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 no the, the, the truth be told, you know that uh, you know, uh, it was it was it was suggested. I think Thomas said, you know, get get whoever you want on it. You know, um, you know anything that we can do to help promote the album is good. And obviously, you know, getting uh, third party guys from other bands and stuff, you know, helps generate interest in something that was relatively unknown. Just, I suppose, in a way that was well, to a much less required state. You know, when Slash did his first solo album and he had Lemmy and Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas and all sorts of people on it. That's and, true. of course, then he, he did the second one and no one was on it except <laughs> Slash and his buddies from his band, you know. Right. But, you know, I mean, I don't regret for one minute on that first Lonely Rabel album that everybody, I don't regret because, you know, it's very easy to get people on on, on and out and, you know it, it happens in every you know there is a marketing perspective when you do get guest musicians in uh i i made damn sure when i did that first album that literally everybody and every note that was going to be played on there was uh, for artistic reasons and you know getting nick kershaw to play a guitar solo was because a lot of people don't know what a great guitar player he is and he, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park with that guitar solo. And, and you know, I got uh, Steve Hogarth to play piano on it, and um, and a lot of some people like. And then he he decided he wanted to sing some backing vocals, and I'm like, who the hell am I to say no to Steve? All right, Steve, here's a mic, have a go, you know. <laughs> right. And everyone was like, who is this arrogant man, John Mitchell, who's 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 put who's who's put Steve Hogarth, a far greater singer, on backing vocals? I'm like, yeah, well, I know he's a far greater singer, but. He wanted to sing. <laughs> I'm glad that he did because what he did really complimented my vocal. And he's, you know, he's a brilliant singer. But I got him down because he's also a brilliant pianist, and I really wanted him to, uh, to, to, you know, to put his sort of, you know, he's got a much more sort of, you know, a much more sort of uh, more sort of a pianist's feel. Well, than it's I cool did. when you have uh, guests come on, like like you're talking about these guys come on and not do what you would expect them to do on a record. I think that that's that's kind of a neat trick, you know. I did a John Wetton album um, way back when, and we had a song that I think he co-wrote with Ringo Starr. And I remember we got Steve Hackett in to play uh, harmonica on it. And I was like, I didn't even know Steve Hackett could play harmonica, but <laughs> that, that's his first instrument before he picked up the guitar. And I thought that was quite cool. Definitely. Uh, and that's not why I decided to get, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve Hogarth to play, uh, you know, to play um, um, banjo on it or anything. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I just wanted to get people, you know, um, to do things that I, I wanted to sort of shine a light on, 
you know, and Nick Kershaw is such, well, he doesn't need a light shot on him, but he's such a good guitar player. And I know him to be such a good guitar player. I just wanted to, you know, to go, here, look, here's Nick Kershaw. Not only does he write some of the most incredible pop music ever, but here, look, he plays a mean guitar as well. And I'm glad that I did, you know. It's very funny. I found, uh, that was a big surprise to me when I, because I'm a big Nick Kershaw fan from from the pop records, you know, from the 80s and and, uh, even the later stuff. And then I saw him appear on a Steve Hackett record and I saw him appear on your record. And I'm like, I did, had no idea the two worlds knew each other. This was amazing yeah. to me. You know, everyone's a secret progger, really, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> or even Johnny Rotten like Van de Graaff Generator. Come on. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, you could tell that Nick Kershaw, I mean, he, he doesn't, you know, he goes through every chord change and every key change known to man. It's clear to anybody, you know, his pop music it w- was not, was never going to be straight ahead, you know. It was, it was, um, you know, he's, he's clear, you know. That I mean, it just so happens that, you know, um, he, he, uh, you know, he, he did the sort of, he, you know, he has in recent times done more proggy stuff. He's done the Reverse Genesis, you see, right? Uh, whereas It Bites uh, did, um, what did It Bites do? It Bites started out pop. Yeah, yeah, they did the Reverse Genesis. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. Genesis started out prog and went pop. So yeah. The reverse Genesis. The reverse cool. Genesis. <laughs> That's great. Uh, real quick, let's touch on. Uh, I know. Uh, I mean, you, you referred to Frost, you know, more as the gem thing, but I do want to refer to the the EP that just came out, Others, um, which uh, is also really cool. Did you have anything in, to do with with putting nope. the, the songs? Gem just you know sequenced it and did put the whole thing together, or yeah. right i I don't know what it says in the press release for that but no um basically those songs as i understand it were were sort of uh, ideas left over from the falling satellite session and jem said i'm going to put these together myself and it's going to be like a stopgap thing before we do the next album and you know um i've listened to it and i think it's great you know um uh, to be fair you know there's a lot of that first frost album i mean frost has sort of become more of an organic thing with more input from myself and, 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 and Nathan and, and, you know, on falling satellites, it was Craig, you know, and it's become, you know, when it started out, it was basically the, the whole million sound. It's very little input from anybody else. It's like largely gem. And I think the only other thing that, you know, on those, on that first uh, frost record that you hear was, was uh, I, I did a bit of extra guitar. I think John boys did a bit of extra guitar and that's pretty much it, you know? Right. So, you know, it's not unusual for, for, you know, to Jem, you know, it was his baby to begin with. And it's, you know, as flat as I am and, and, and you know, I'm, it, I don't have any bones with the fact that, you know, he wants to do an EP and, and put it out without us on it. That's totally cool by me because that's, you know, that's his, it's his, it's his baby. And I'm, you know, I'm more than flat that, you know, we've been writing together at the end of last year. We, we wrote five songs in six days and in January we went to, uh, um, like a, a, a place near the, the it was a coast guard's hut in Dungeness. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a, it converted into, to, into a flat and it's about 200 meters from a power station. And if you look the other direction, you could see absolutely nothing for miles on end apart from the sea. And then we wrote another three songs there. And the first songs were written in Cornwall in a, in, in a farmhouse. So we pretty much wrote the, the best part of a, another album over these two sessions. And I'm absolutely flat that, you know, he wants to, you know, this guy's a, a world-class songwriter. He doesn't need to write songs with me. He can do it completely on his own. But the fact that he yeah. you know, wants to get me involved in his world is, is, is you know, it's an absolute, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's, it's flattering beyond belief. And, you know. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I've, seeing, you guys, seeing you guys perform live, I mean, it's obvious that you guys have fun. 
And I imagine that's a lot to do with it because you probably, when you're writing music and doing music, you want to surround yourself with people that you enjoy doing it with, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, we're not particularly serious people. Serious to a degree that we want to get the job done properly and that when we record, that's taken seriously. And he is, you know, meticulous to the nth degree, as, as am I. But, you know, as people in a social situation, you know, going on, on a cruise, on, on the cruise or whatever, we just lock about. It's, you know, and we don't take it that seriously. And prog rock, let's be honest, does take itself quite seriously. <laughs> so, um, you know, <clears throat> we do, uh, yeah, we do not irreverent, but, you know, we do, um, we do lock about possibly too much sometimes in the uh, past. I love it. I love watching you guys fool around on there. It's hilarious. And it's, and it's, it seems uh, genuine and it comes off real, real kind of natural. Oh, yeah. and it's a lot of yeah, fun. But, but, we have a great camaraderie and, and, and long may that continue, you know, cause um, you know, he's a good, you know, he's become a good friend to me over the years and, uh, and it's, we do get on really well. So, you know, if, if you know, it, it, we just enjoy playing with it, you know, that sounds wrong. We enjoy playing with each other. <laughs> uh, we enjoy making music together and, and certainly on a, on a live scene, you know, cause the music is so bombastic, you know, it, oh. it, 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 it's hard push to keep a straight face when you're playing that stuff. You do realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I think we're looking forward to that. Again, the new uh, Lonely Robot album, Feelings Are Good, July 17th. Um, pleasure working with you, man. I, I Like I said, I'm a big, big fan of, of uh, pretty much everything you write. And and this new album, I think, is, is just really, really great. And uh, I, I can't wait for people to hear it. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, all right, brother. Be good. And uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, cool. All right, man. Great talk to you. Bye. Thanks very much, man. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to John for the interview. Don't forget, Feelings Are Good, the latest from Only Robot, comes out on July 17th. We're going to close with the track Spiders. For upcoming news, interviews, and more, please check parkreport.com. Follow us on Facebook, at The Park Report on Twitter and Instagram. Download the podcast on all our podcast networks or follow us on YouTube. Stay safe. Thanks. Thanks.